Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, the radio chick, Annie Ubellis. Join Annie on Tuesdays and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time with an open chat room full of her regulars. And yes, you can even call in. Call 917-889-3675. That's 917-889-3675 to be a part of the action on the phone line. Not able to listen live? Not a problem. You can always catch Annie, the radio chick, and Southern Sense Talk Radio podcast in archives at southern-sense.com. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Southern Sense the right way. Good afternoon. Welcome back to another episode of Southern Sense here live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, High Plains, Daily News, the Kick. The Kinetic Hi-Fi out of Charleston, South Carolina, up in iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, all the heck with it. Just go to the name of the show. It Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the most is the radio chick, Annie, along with my unmuted co-host, courtesy as Bennett. Good afternoon, Chris. This time it's you, not me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how's it going, Annie? Oh, well, it looks, looks like, like may we, have, a we problem have some with problems our... getting on. Yeah, but we also may have a problem with our second guest because she's calling in from Israel, and right now we're having a problem connecting with each other, so we may have lost her, unfortunately. Uh, But we have the show at the start. We have Dave Bray. He's got a new album out, Music on a Mission. We're going to be talking to him. It's an awesome album, really awesome. We're going to have a lot of fun talking with him. Uh, So we're just going to probably have to wing it the second half, uh, and we have a lot to talk about anyway. So I want to welcome those who are listening right. in on the various devices, uh, also up on YouTube and Facebook, as I pull that up there so I make sure I have both of those chats going live so I can see people as they talk to us. So uh, feel free to post your questions or comments. I'll try to keep up with the chat rooms over there. Uh, welcome those that are listening in on Blog Talk Radio, also in the chat there. A lot to do, a lot to talk about, so let's get started. Yeah. Let's get the drum rolling. Well, here. I'm having... I'm having a blast um, looking at the um, Clinton News Network and, and their efforts to um, not sound, you know, too enthused about this, um, you know, Singapore summit. So, you know, it's just been hilarious. Oh, we'll, we'll be talking about that a little bit later on. Like, we'll save that for the second half since it looks like well, I will not be able to get my second guest on. But anyone that yeah. listens to the show know that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going out to three, three gentlemen, three soldiers out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Staff Sergeant Matthew Llewellyn, Staff Sergeant Kevin McEnroe, Staff Sergeant James Moriarty. They were killed on Friday, November 4th of 2016 while serving during Operation Inherit Resolve in Jordan. And this is taken from both the military.com as well as from the Daily Mail. The fathers of three Green Berets killed in Jordan said Army and FBI investigations show that a Jordanian gate guard murdered their sons at close range. Brian McEnroe, 
Chuck Llewellyn, and James Marty, fathers of the slain soldiers, held a press conference at the National to share new details of the event that unfolded on November 4th, 2016. When Army Sergeant First Class Matthew C. Llewellyn, 27, of Lawrence, Kansas, Staff Sergeant Kevin J. McEnroe, 30, of Tucson, Arizona, and Staff Sergeant James F. Marty, 27, of Kerrville, Texas, were shot and killed by security forces while entering Al-Jafar Air Base. They were simply murdered by an Allied officer of the Jordanian Army, Llewellyn said. He and the other fathers called for the shooter to be criminally prosecuted. Reports of the incident accused the Americans of failing to stop at the gate and also of having a negligent discharge, which allegedly caused security guards to panic and open fire. All three fathers said they were briefed by the Army and the FBI on February 28, 2017, and showed a detailed video of the shooting that refutes those accounts. These were two different reports that the Jordanian press released, and both of them accused our men of doing something wrong, Chuck Llewellyn told reporters. Let me be clear. The men followed procedure for entering the checkpoint, he added. They did not charge the gate, nor was there any accidental discharge of a weapon. Llewellyn described what occurred as a convoy of four American vehicles slowly drove through the security gate. Vehicle number one went through the gate with no problems, he said. Vehicle number two being driven by Staff Sergeant McEnroe and my son, Sergeant First Class Llewellyn, was going through with no problem. Llewellyn said, I have watched the video showing their murders, and here is what happened next. There is a guard shack they must go by. The guard shack is a concrete hut with a sliding window that they must pass. The guard shack is also covered with camo netting, making it difficult to see inside the shack, he said. As they pulled even with the sliding window, they were ambushed from mere feet away by a Jordanian officer who was inside the guard shack with an M16 with accurate and lethal precision, Llewellyn said. There was no warning for my son or Staff Sergeant McEnroe. The shooter, Abu Tayyeh, heard gunshots near the main entrance to the base and believed it was under attack, according to a letter from the Jordanian embassy. The gun he used in the incident was an M16, which he made ready upon hearing the gunshots, it states. The fathers of the fallen soldiers dispute this characterization of events. They say there were no gunshots and that the shooter was lying in wait. After shooting the two Americans, Abu Tayyeh then left the safety of his guard shack to pursue Sergeant Marty and another Special Forces soldier, Llewellyn said. Because of the surveillance video, we know that Kevin and Matt's survival chances were almost zero. Completely caught by surprise by Jordanian soldier, Marty said, they died mercifully and quickly in a hail of gunfire. My son, Staff Sergeant James Marty, would not be so lucky. Marty's son, Jimmy, and fellow Special Forces soldier, I will call Mike, exited their truck just in time to avoid being killed in cold blood, Marty said. The video continued, no audio, but Marty said he was told that his son and Mike would spend the next several minutes trying to communicate with the shooter in both English and Arabic. My son and the survivor held their hands up and communicated that they were not a threat, said former U.S. Marine. They tried to signal to the Jordanians. 
There were five Jordanian soldiers who were no more than 200 yards down the road, and that is how I watched my son die. The shooter then makes a last assault on the two soldiers, Marty said. Mike is caught by surprise, and Jimmy stands up in full view of the shooter, and he engages him, said Marty, describing the distance as just a few feet. My son takes a complete takes a couple of assault rounds in the chest. Mike, using that opportunity, is seen circling around the Jersey barrier, and finally he empties his gun in the side of the Jordanian soldier, where he was able to put rounds between his body armor. Abu Taye survived. The relatives, two of the three American soldiers shot, died at the Jordanian air base last year, described the pain of their loss in letters to a military court trying the alleged killer. The parents of one soldier and a sister of a second attended a court hearing in Jordan's, Jordan's capital of Amen and remained until the verdict was given. The defendant, a Jordanian soldier, had been now convicted. He faces life in prison. The U.S. military trainers were killed when three vehicles carrying four U.S. troops came under fire at the gate of an airbase in southern Jordan in November of 2016. Today's show is dedicated to these three soldiers. It's also dedicated to all the brave men and women out there that serve in our military from the birth of our nation through today and into the future. It's also dedicated to all the men and women who serve daily as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. And we dedicate to them this song, Amazing Grace. God bless each and every one.
back. You're here listening to Southern Sense here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, High Plains Daily News, Connecticut Hi-Fi, The Fix FM out of Charleston, South Carolina, up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook, all the heck with it. Just go to the name of the show, put a hyphen in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the most, just the radio chick, Annie, along with my co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. And we're going to take a quick break so I can earn a few dollars. We'll be right back. I got something special just for my listeners. If you follow me, you know I usually don't hawk products. I stick to the issues important to you and me, but I think I can't keep this to myself. You may want to check this out and get in on the ground floor before everyone else jumps on the bandwagon. Now, this is just for you, my listeners. I joined up with Team Earth Water. Earth Water is a company that is faith-based and patriotic. Earth Water is an amazing water. It will soon be the rage of the nation and is going worldwide. It has over 70 antioxidants and minerals. It's good, trust me. I already sleep better. I dropped one of my prescriptions, and I'm possibly looking to maybe drop another one soon. So ask yourself, do you want to make a few extra bucks on the side while getting healthier? Who doesn't? So if so, check out the Earth Water link on my homepage at Southern Sense. That's the name of the show. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Who doesn't want to make some easy money? You'll earn a 10% commission on what you sell, and they even set up a web page for you to sell from. How easier can that be? Every time a customer returns to your page and buys, boom, you just earned an easy 10% commission. Sign up now. Buy at least a case, and let me know what you think just by going to my web page. That's the name of the show, Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle. Southern-Sense.com. They offer four tiers for affiliates, from one case to 16 cases. I bought four cases to start, and boy, am I hooked on the water. Simply go to my webpage, click on the Earth Water link on the page, and join Team Earth Water. Go to Southern Sense and become a member of my site, and you'll also be entered to win the latest book offer if you become a member of my site. That's the name of the show, Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Check it out. I know you'll be pleased. All right, and we're back. We're ready to rock and roll, waiting for our guest to call in, Curtis. So hopefully he'll be calling in very shortly. Just shot him a text to make sure he does. Uh, Exciting guest, and he is here on the line. Let's bring him along. And say good afternoon to Dave Bray, USA. Good afternoon, Dave. How are you? (laughs) I'm truly honored to be here. It's great to be with you guys. How's everyone doing today? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm just fine. Curtis? <laughs> I'm doing fine. <laughs> and guess what? Everybody good. No complaints. Dave, guess what? Awesome. Uh, Dave, just one hour before going on air, I went out to the mailbox to check the mail, and guess what was in the mail? Your latest guess, release do I guess? just arrived in the mail one hour hour before going on air. I'm waving it up in front of see the camera so people can see. It's right in my hand. <laughs> uh, but you didn't Very sign cool. it. Very cool. The album. <laughs> yep. I, did, I didn't sign it. I signed it. You're a no, liar. You I know I signed it. I'm looking at I opened it up and I'm going, tell me. Tell me he didn't. And no, you didn't. And my stepson's sitting there looking at me. And I'm, I'm going, Dave, you didn't sign it. 
Are you sure? I sign all of them. That's ridiculous. I, I apologize for that. I will send you an autographed copy for sure. You know what? <laughs> if it comes down to value, the ones that aren't signed will probably be worth more than the ones that are. That's how many I've signed. So <laughs> if you go through the thousands that I've put out, uh, they've all been signed. So if you have one that's not signed, hold on to it. Um, uh, it might be worth more. You never know. Who knows? Oh, man. It is a great, fantastic album. Uh, I loved it. As a matter of fact, I had actually didn't realize it. I had downloaded off of your website the album. And while you've got 10 songs on the CD, if people go to your site, they actually are downloading 18 different songs and stories. That's right. Um, The the whole idea behind Music on a Mission was to make it uh, not just you know, songs and music. I mean, any, I feel like any artist can kind of do that. I wanted to give you a more intimate um, sort of approach to listening to the song so that not only are you listening to the music, you have something to listen for within it. So it, it gives the listener an insight uh, that you would only get normally from, from being in a, you know, a live performance arena or something from an artist where the artist explains to you maybe how the song was written or what the story of the song is about. Um, I just wanted to do that on a record because, number one, I don't think anybody had ever done it before. And number two, the types of songs that I sing are usually, um, there's something very poignant about each and every one of them. Just like Last Call we, you know, is about a fallen police officer or uh, Into the Fire. Is, it, it, I tell the story on the album about Stephen Siller, who was a 9-11 firefighter who bravely you know, went in and out and, and perished that day. It's just, you know, I wanted people to know those stories because you don't, get that you know normally when you listen to a record so it was a new fresh idea it gives the listener a unique experience it's family friendly about faith i talk about patriotism i talk about god i talk about the godlessness that's sweeping the nation i talk about um you know support for our fire police first responders military and our veterans community and i wanted to bring forth all of the insights to why those songs were on the record. So again, I do narrate the record as well. So it's sort of like an audio book mixed with music. I call it, it's like an hour of great talk radio, except for commercials, you get really cool songs to listen to. It is. It's awesome. And our our listeners are familiar with the song Last Call. I wanted to play that one first because that one um, hits me really hard because, like you, you know what it's like to stand in uniform in formation at the uh, funeral of a fallen comrade, um, someone who died in the line of duty, and it's not an easy thing to do because uh, I remember uh, a friend of mine I went to the police academy with, Eddie Burns, when he passed, when he was murdered uh, on the orders of a drug lord uh, in New York City. Um, that was the first time I ever had a bloody nose. I was that emotional. Because this is a kid I, I sat next to, we studied together, and to have him so brutally taken down like that. Uh, it was the first time, I honestly, I'm standing there white gloves with a bloody nose. So uh, it always flashes back to that when I hear this song, too. So I'm going to play that one, Last Call. Let me bring it up and get it on.
I'm talking away. I'm talking away. And I forgot to unmute myself. <laughs> a bad habit. I was getting ready to say. Bad habit. You must have muted yourself again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I do that all the time, Dave. You know, I'm working off of a mixer board. And I keep on forgetting to look over and make sure I'm unmuted. <laughs> I'm sure my oh, wife man, wishes but she had that say. button, you know, for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, we have a, a listener in the chat room. He's my former co-host, Cool Mike, said that that is his favorite song of all time. He loves that one. Because, uh, you know, it, it's the people that are left behind that hurt the most. You know, you're, we've gone, we're sitting there, you know, standing guard at the right hand of God. Um, but it's the people behind that hurt the most and continue to hurt for the rest of their lives. 
Yeah, we we are very familiar with that, unfortunately, in this community. And, you know, in the veteran community as well, we see, um, obviously, we not only have, you know, of course, active duty and service-related deaths, but we have the, you know, the 22 a day that we're battling. And those families are the ones, again, that are really, really torn up by it. And I discussed this a little bit on the record again when we're talking about Music on a Mission. It's a narrated album. Um, if people want to get it, they can get it at DaveBrayUSA.com, and I'll sign a CD and send it out for them. That's DaveBrayUSA.com. Or if they can want to download it for their device or their phone, they can get it at iTunes, Amazon, or anywhere music is sold. So it's out there. Uh, it's a unique album. It's a storyteller album, and we're pretty proud of it because it's we feel as though it's the first of its kind. And it's big, you know. It's been an exciting, exciting beginning for its, you know, for its inception. So we're excited. Yeah, just a couple of days ago, it actually rocketed up to uh, number six in the iTunes Rock Chart. That's amazing. That is absolutely well. Amazing. That is. <laughs> it's, it's actually unheard of. Um, if you look at that Rock Chart, it doesn't like little no-name guys like Dave Bray USA don't go popping up. It's like Shine Down. Godsmack, Five Finger Death Punch, uh, Greta Van Fleet. You know, those are the, like, top five albums. And then Dave Bray USA is on number six for the iTunes charts. And I think it's testament to sort of what this country uh, is looking um, looking for. Uh, the, there was a movie that just came out recently. I think it was called um, I Can Only Imagine or It Can Only Imagine. But it was, you know, it was based on faith and it was based on, a, you know, a feel-good story of comeback kid kind of stuff. And I think people are looking for that positivity. They're looking for something that they can enjoy with their kids. They're looking for something they can enjoy with their families and share and talk about. And music on a mission certainly is that. I don't want to say that it's political, but it does talk about a lot of the elephants that are in the room and in our lives every single day that a lot of us don't really want to bring up. So, um, you know, I think it's a great opportunity to sit down. It's an interesting listen. It's a unique listen. Uh, it listens kind of like a movie and it's, it's, I've gotten so many great reviews. And if you just read down, I think there's at least 50 or so reviews on iTunes, you'll get to kind of see what, what people are saying about it. And because of its unique nature being a storyteller album, I think you're going to see a lot of other artists take this approach because they want their, they want their music to be heard. They want people to understand what they were going for instead of just leaving it up to interpretation. So, um, yeah, that's what Music on a Mission is all about. It's available at DaveBrayUSA.com. Dave, well, we have a link up a on the show page. So I just wanted to let them know that there is a link on the show page so that when people listen to the podcast later on, they can always click on it and go directly to uh, get your album right there. Go ahead, Curtis. Dave, I was just curious, your background in music. Um, were you a musician while you were in the Navy? So my music, I mean, I, I never really considered myself a musician. Um, I'm a singer. You know, I started out like much many kids, early <laughs> early pubescent years in a pair of tidy whities and a tennis racket in the mirror. Um, you know, rocking out and playing, my, <laughs> pretending I was playing some of my favorite songs. Uh, I was a singer in the church choir and growing up, um, you know, it, it was just one of those things that I enjoyed doing. I found music that I really, really liked when grunge hit the airwaves and I started a little rock band and, and was doing that for a while. Then I joined the military. And like you said, yeah, I bought a guitar. Um, you know, it was three chords in the truth for me back then, but I still wrote about, you know, my experiences in the military, you know, some of the things that I had, had seen and done. And um, I, it was a little different. It was a little more uh, vague, I guess you could say it was more hidden metaphorically in, in my, a lot of my songs, but now, 
you know, looking back in, in a sort of quote unquote continuation of service um, approach, you know, I wanted to be clear. I wanted to be very, very clear about what my songs were going to be about. And I think that clarity is, is again, another unique aspect of the songs that I write and how I go about writing music in general. I want people to know exactly what is being said. I want people to understand where it comes from and why it's on the record and why the song exists. So um, if you look up any of my videos on YouTube, please subscribe to that YouTube page and, and help push those numbers up as well. Uh, but you'll see some amazing videos. My last video release was for a song called Freedom Rings, Blood of Heroes, and it was absolutely amazing. So I hope people will go check that one out. Will do. As a matter of fact, that's the next song. That's the next song I had keyed up to talk to you about. Uh, that you filmed uh, about a Border Patrol's uh, funeral, and you went through in the film showing the folding of the flag. But there's a significance to that flag and why it's folded that way. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, first off, there is there's a every fold of the flag actually has a purpose and a duty. And if you've, anybody has ever served in honor guard, they know what each individual fold stands for and means. So, I mean, there's so much. I guess what's the word for it? I guess it, it's all relative, right? So, there's so much meaning behind everything they do when it comes to that flag. And when people in this country don't respect it and when they don't stand up for it and they use it as a political piece of cloth then it it really upsets many of us who have watched our friends you know come into country or whatever uh or you know be carried off into a into a, a cemetery under that flag so it's one of those things that there's so much symbolism in all of it and so much duty and respect from the service side of people that a lot of the civilian you know, uh, citizenry has no understanding about the importance of that flag. It is not just a symbol. It is not just a piece of cloth. It is in essence, every human soul that has perished in the name of its freedom and what it stands for. It is all carried in that, in that symbol. It's not just a piece of cloth. It is the most important piece of cloth that we could ever, ever, ever have in this country. And for people who don't cherish it or who claim that there's, negative, you know, whatever entities or issues that are related to politics behind it and its meaning, they're wrong. The only thing that that flag stands for is freedom and the men and women who have died for that freedom, and that is it. So when you're stepping on it, stomping on it, burning it, that's what you're burning. You're burning the souls of those men and women who stood up and volunteered for you to have the right to even be able to walk and talk on or in this country. So that is why people get upset about the flag burning. That is why we get upset about the disrespect for the national anthem and the presentation of colors. It has nothing else to do with anything but that. It's the freedom and the men and women who died for that freedom is what that flag stands for. And it's just it's upsetting. So, yeah, Freedom Rings, Blood of Heroes. You have got to see the video. Uh, Border Patrol, U.S. Border Patrol, uh, they did an actual flag folding ceremony for me for this video, specifically for this song. And it is the video is absolutely, it will floor you. It will absolutely floor you. It's so beautifully done. And I got to thank my buddy, uh, Alden Funkhauser for putting together the, the production side of the house. And especially I got to thank the border patrol and my boy, Carlos Ortiz for helping me to get that film footage for that video. Cause it was, it was done very well and we're really proud of it. Well, you know, uh, I happen to have been watching, I'm a big NASCAR fan 
And when you were with Madison Rising, you did the Star Spangled Banner and you wore the American flag. You took a lot of flack for that. Unjustly, I feel. I mean, you did a great performance, though. I haven't been watching it. This is that's it was just on my show. <laughs> I, I've, I've I've rewatched that video a few times, and and if you if you really goes if you really look at it, what's happening is there's fireworks and stuff going on in the background, so the drums are off. It was done to a track that was poorly produced, and at the end of the day, you know, people have the right to say whatever they want about however you know however they want to say it. I mean, I was trying to do the most respectful version of that national anthem I could. Um, I now only sing it for uh, as a presentation of colors. If it's a presentation of colors and a flag, I will only sing it a cappella. I don't sing it in any other way because of that. Um, and I've gotten rave reviews about that. But uh, I, if it's for a show or for the end of an event or closing out of a stage performance, I will sing a rock rendition that is not a formal presentation of colors because there there should be some reverence there, I feel, um, for that. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying that uh, I, I think that what people saw from NASCAR was not a great representation of the song, first off. I feel like it was a poorly broadcasted representation of the song um, that got broadcasted over television. It wasn't anything. If you were at the event or at the race, people loved it. I mean, fireworks were going off. Uh, but, you know, again, it's you're dealing with you're dealing with a multi-million dollar uh, agency and they're going to do what they want and how they want to do it. But like I said, it, I, I feel like it was poorly broadcasted. So again, I go back to singing the national anthem the way that, that I do it in my acapella standard and uh, for a presentation of colors. And if people want to hear a rock version, I'll throw it into my show. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go with uh, Freedom Rings, Blood of Heroes and get it queued up here.
what a beautiful, beautiful song. So very touching. I loved it. You know what I love about your music, Dave, is that every song is different. No two songs are similar. And everything has its own style, and the music actually fits the meaning of the word so well. It's, it's, it's stunning. No wonder why you're at number six on iTunes. <laughs> well, that's that's a very huge compliment, and I appreciate that very much. It's um, you know, music is one of those things that I think for many artists we are healing in our music ourselves, one way, shape, or form. That's sort of where and why we do what we do. So, um, you know, it's just when if you can use something like music or art in any way, shape, or form that helps you to heal, or me personally in this case to heal, um, that actually helps others heal. I think that that's, I think that's why art is here. I think that's why we have song and that's why we have music. And, you know, it doesn't all have to be about healing. It can be about other things as well, but I've just found that from my broken places, that's where, that's where and why I write this type of music I write. And I feel like it helps me to unload baggage. And, you know, again, if it can help somebody else heal, it's, it's a blessing. Well, Dave. the next song I wanted, <laughs> go ahead, Curtis. <laughs> Well, I was just going to say, most great singers uh, owe their pipes to um, either their mother or their father. Um, which one do you credit with your vocal abilities? So, that's, that's a good question. Um, when I was a, a little kid, my mom, she had a, a classical guitar, and she used to sit, and she had a book of songs that she used to play. And she was a finger, pink, finger picker, a little bit more classical than, than the way I play guitar. Uh, but I used to sit and, and play with her and sing with her. And, uh, you know, they were kind of just folky, chill songs. And, um, you know, she she used to play and I used to sing. And that was where it started. And she was a really, really good singer, song and dance girl as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say I get a lot of the artistic stuff from from her. And then I probably get my rhythm from my pops. Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, i got to tell you, uh, my mom did not give me my pipes, that's for sure. <laughs> As a matter of fact, when she would come into the room at night, she goes, I'll sing you a lullaby. We go, no, Mom, we, we promise to be good. We promise to sleep. Don't sing. Don't sing, Mom. We're <laughs> good, Mom. Thanks. <laughs> Turn the, next the TV song on. I wanted to talk about, <laughs> the next song I wanted well, to talk about, about was Into the Fire. Oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, go we can ahead. talk about Into the Fire. Absolutely. Well, I, I was going to say, if we were talking about amazing singers, my wife, Becky, could not carry a tune in a bucket. She's always the exact pitch off for every note, though. So we're trying to get down to it, you know, and figure out what, what the source is. Why can't she find the match? But she's always like a fifth and a fifth and a third up, you know what I mean? It's like just not quite there yet. And I'm always trying to be like, okay, push a little higher, push a little lower. And it's, it's so funny. But uh, true story, one of you want to know who started singing the Star Spangled Banner first? Uh, it was my wife, um, and she would, you know, at, at, at you know, we'd have summer get-togethers or whatever. She would start singing it, and everybody would, like you say, put their hands over their ears. And at the end of it, she would yell, "Play ball!" And that's that was how we'd kick off our summer barbecues or stuff like that. So. Uh, yep, that's that's my wife. She's probably gonna kill me for saying it, but she knows she knows there's truth to it, so she won't care. <laughs> we always have one in the family. So there's one person that that can't carry a tune, can't carry a note. This is always. But she on. loves to sing. My wife loves to sing. It's just horrible to listen to. I I love it. I think it's great. That's I don't. I could not. <laughs> Off key on as many notes that she can pull off consecutively. It's it's like a gift. I don't know how she does it. 
So just soundproof the walls and let her go. That's right. You know, she's, she's, I, I'm not sure she's, uh, she's in a completely different room. I'm good. As long as she's not listening. <laughs> she might be. I'll let you know if she starts beating on the walls. Oh, or she catches the podcast later on. <laughs> yep. That's even oh, worse. Oh, man. Anyway, I was going to say, uh, I wanted to talk about Into the Fire, because uh, when I started to listen to it, like the first couple of lines, uh, I had to stop listening because I had a flashback memory, uh, because one of my foot posts at, straight out of the police academy was in the 7-7 precinct in Brooklyn, and everyone knows me as, you know, basically um, straightforward, no-nonsense, um, you're, you're there just to get the job done, basic type of thing. So I don't clown around a lot while I'm working. So I'm there on the footpost. Apartment building was a five-story apartment building. Happened to have caught fire. And I'm running from my footpost to the apartment building uh, trying to call Central. And Central knows it's a rookie straight out of the police academy, so she's not letting me transmit. And I'm going, Central, I've got a – and she would cut me off, you know, post, wait, you know, unit, wait, unit, wait, unit, stand by. So I'm going into the building, and I said, that's it. I've had it. So I turn around over the radio, go, Central, fire, a big fire. And all of a sudden, I hear people chuckling, go, seriously, I got a fire. And I'm, I'm using one of the most undisciplined, unprofessional voice and wording possible to get her attention. And I get back to the precinct, and I got ribbed so badly, so badly. And I, just, I couldn't get her to listen. It's the only way I could do it. And then I went back and then listened to the song, and um, – on 9-11, I had been retired. We had retired here to South Carolina. And I'm watching it unfold on TV because my husband had been watching uh, Don Imus, of all things. And I'm saying, oh, my right. God. And I said, the buildings are going to come down, and this is why. And I was explaining it to him. And sure enough, I watched everything happen, everything I said. I said, they're going to use the plaza for the triage because EMS had merged with the fire department. That's why there were so many firefighters mm-hmm. listed as killed in action, I knew exactly what was going to be going on. I said, I told them the tactics. I said, this is how they're handling the situation. You're going to have fire engines that are going to be crushed when those buildings come down. Unless they move the equipment back and move triage back, there's going to be a lot more casualties. And then when I listened to your song, it brought tears to my eyes because it was as if I was seeing it happen all over again. And I was on duty when it got bombed the first time in 1993, February of 1993. I was working that day. I was across the Williamsburg Bridge, right across from the World Trade Center. And that song just is just so very, very powerful. Well, thank you. And again, um, you know, if, for those people who are listening, uh, you know, the, this the song is called Into the Fire. It's on the Music on a Mission album. It's available at DaveBrayUSA.com. Of course, the links are in. Uh, with the podcast as well. Um, but for those who don't know the story of Steven Siller, I also talk about him um, sort of from a hero's perspective as a 9-11 firefighter who had the day off. He was leaving his, you know, his fire department on the Park Slope section of Brooklyn. You know, he looks back and hears the tones and realizes chaos is happening in, in lower Manhattan. He gets as close as he can get with his truck and he gets to the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. He can't go any further. And for those of us who know New York, those tunnels are already hot and sweaty and steamy, and there's not a lot of oxygen in them as it is. Um, but he decided to put on 70 pounds of turnout gear and run from through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel down to lower Manhattan and, of course, to the to the trade centers. 
Um, you know, he did perish that day and not one button, not one badge, not a piece of a jacket, nothing of his was ever found or located. So, um, you know, assuming the worst that, that he perished in, in the collapse and it was, uh, you know, it's brutal. And if we think about that day or if we think about that time, even in our lives, it, it seems like yesterday for many of us. But there's been a whole generation that's come since that really doesn't know. It's sort of like we are reliving that 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 moment of the greatest generation that charged, uh, you know, over into France, you know, on D-Day. And then those boys and men and women who came back, you know, one of these epic moments in time that were just all wrapped around one single battle or one single day. And we are becoming the sort of the elders of the tribe now that, that look down and see the pre-9-11 kids that don't know what the world or what our country was like before that. And, you know, pre-TSA and pre, you know, um, you know, cell phones and just all of the social media and just all these things that didn't exist in, in during that time. Um, there were barely cell phone cameras at that time. You had a, you had a phone that with a push button and a little tiny camera on it if you were lucky. It wasn't you know, the technology that we have today. So, you know, with the song Into the Fire, I wanted to memorialize not only the souls that we lost on that day, but the firefighters and, of course, the heroes. And I just chose Stephen Siller because I felt like his story was so poignant. Um, and it was so, you know, there, there are obviously 343 other stories about first responders or firefighters from that day. Uh, but I, I felt like Stephen's rang true because, um, after he perished, you know, the, the family, he had six brothers and sisters. Um, the family got together and did something really, really amazing, which is called the Stephen Siller Tunnel to Towers Foundation. And they used the legacy of the, their hero brother, the little brother, Stephen, who charged into the devil's flames that day and perished. They used his legacy and his heroism to stand up and do amazing th- things for not only wounded and injured veterans, but also, you know, wounded and injured first responders as well. They built over 80 homes in the last, I think, five or six years um, for wounded veterans and, you know, the smart homes, things that uh, they do things in homes for, for guys in wheelchairs with one hand so that they can live somewhat of a normal life. So Stephen Siller's Hunter Towers Foundation is an amazing organization, um, and it's just amazing to see something positive or as big and positive as Stephen Siller Tunnel to Towers Foundation come out of such a horrific day. But many, many good things did come um, from the sacrifices of all those men and women on that day. And that's what the song Into the Fire is about. It's about our heroes. It's about those men and women. Of course, it's about Stephen who put on his armor and he battled the devil's flames on that day just for, to save as many people that, that, that he could. You know, I I was talking with someone the other day, and what he said to me really got my blood going, uh, because he said there was this. They went to a picnic, and a friend had his 16-year-old daughter, and the 16-year-old daughter said that um, Islam did not bomb the World Trade Center uh, to kill Americans. The Muslims bombed the World Trade Center to kill Muslims, and most of the people that died in the World Trade Center that day were Muslims. And then she went on to. Uh, it, it, it was just horrendous, and 9-11 was an attack on the United States, so we have no right to, to fight back type of thing, and it really pisses me off. So it, we need people like you. We need shows like this to get the word out and get the truth out there because we've got a whole generation of kids that are coming through our school system that is so progressive, so liberal, that they are being brainwashed, and once they get out and they start to learn the truth, who are they going to get angry at? They're going to get angry at us, the ones that are putting them through that public puppy mill, whatever you want to call it, 
instead of an education system. They're going to get angry at us because we're the generation that sent them there. So, you know, we've got to get the truth out and get the truth out now and, and change their outlook on life. Um, so I'm going to take a caller as soon as I finish playing this song of it, uh, Into the Fire. Let me bring it up.
Beautiful song. Holy cow. Uh, we got a caller, Dave. Let me bring her on. She's a friend of the show, and we'll bring on Sweet Sue. Sweet Sue, good afternoon. How are you today? Do we lose Sue? Sweet Sue, you out there? All right, Sue, I guess you walked away. So when you come back, <laughs> we'll try to bring you on again. All right, Dave. Um, the album, oh, it's absolutely awesome. If people buy the actual CD, they're going to get 10 songs, but if they go to your website, DaveBrayUSA.com, they can download the whole thing, get the story book part as well as the song part of, that's 18 songs, correct? 18 audio. It's a, yep, it's 18 uh, audio tracks. Uh, again, there is a narrated album. It's a storyteller album. So you're not just getting the songs. You're also getting my narrative that goes along with each and every song. And Again, I talk about God and country. I talk about faith and patriotism. I talk about, um, you know, school shootings and cop assassinations and rice cooker bombs and the things that are wrong in this country. Uh, I also discuss the war for the minds of our children, which is, you know, basically happening on every street corner. It's on the way to and from school on the bus. You know, you got kids with devices that are showing younger kids things that they don't need to be seeing. Um, you know, they did a study or a research study that said the youngest or the average age of when kids start quote unquote sexting is between the ages of 10 and 12. I mean, these devices, although amazing and they have all these, you know, abilities, they're not really for kids. Well, you know, however we want to look at it, but the addiction that is happening in this country with the adults and social media and the kids and the video games, I mean, you put it all together. It's a recipe for godlessness and it's happening day in and day out. I mean, we are seeing, the worst of humanity starting to come up through our schools and they end up, you know, a, a wise man just told me the other day, do you know where the next school shooter is right now? The next school shooter is sitting in a school waiting to become the next school shooter. So what are we doing? Why are we failing? And why are we continuing down the same path of, you know, this, that, like you said, the educational system, which has just failed. It's, it's a puppy meal and it's failing. We're failing our children miserably. And I discussed these things on the album and I hope people, We'll listen, and I hope they will download it. Again, you can get it at Amazon, iTunes, anywhere else, or you can pick up the CD, the autographed CD at DaveBrayUSA.com. Yeah, you're so right about what's going on in our school system because I came across an article yesterday when I was doing my research about a, a middle school in Maryland. I think the name of it was Divot. And MS-13 is running that school to the point where the teachers and the staff are afraid of them. And they, they can't get rid of these kids. Oh, how how dare we call them animals when they behave that way, when they are intimidating, threatening, beating up, selling drugs, and Lord knows whatever else they're doing in the school. And you think of a middle school, you're talking about kids at the age of 11, 12, 13. Yep. That's right. And they're, and, inter- and, you know, even where we are, they're integrating that into a lot of the suburban schools because they're shutting down the inner city schools. They can't get the funding in the inner city schools. So all the inner city schools are now bleeding all the students out into the suburb schools. Um, You know, they're not paying for it on the tax docket. You know, we are on the bill for it and it's a poorly suggested integration. It's not the way it needs to happen. Um, 
and, and, you know, our kids who our, <laughs> you know, we do not expose to, you know, cell phone use and they don't have free reign to watch whatever they want on television and to speak the way that, that a lot of these inner city kids, uh, you know, speak to each other and even to their adults and teachers, you know, we don't allow that. So where, where's the balance? You know, I mean, are we now when, when I send my kid who is supposed to go to middle school next year, when I send him to school, what, what, what kind of preparation do I need to send him with? You know, um, you know, already the things that he's seen and heard on the bus is jaw dropping. It is devastating uh, to an, to a parent who's trying to be a responsible parent in this country. And when I say we're failing our kids, we're failing an entire generation on a, on a level that may not, we may not be able to recover from it because if you're, if you're allowing hoodlums to, like you said, run the schools and, and use now the system that, that we are paying for in the manner that they're using it, we're, we're destroying everyone who even has any type of upbringing because they're not, they're not given anything. They're not given any protection in these schools. They're not given protection on the buses. They're not given protection from, from these other kids. So it's like, it's, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I, I, I can't imagine that just throwing them all together and allowing kids who have been raised by the hardened streets to be around kids who have been raised in the church and around, you know, and around families. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I know right now that whatever we're doing in my community isn't working. So. Well, well we're waiting for our next guest to call in, but I, I, my former co-host, Cool Mike, thought he would have one up on me. Uh, but of course, Becky uh, already clued me in that you have been opening for a lot of headliner acts and you're going on the road, you're going on the tour soon. And, you know, I'm so jealous of you. You're opening for Ted Nugent. How cool is that? <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, and and I think I think his audience is going to enjoy what I present because, again, it's it's rock, but it's patriotism. But my style is very anthemic. You know what I mean? It's made for those large audiences to to really draw them in. And I think it's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm really looking forward to those shows. They're actually going to be performed with a full band. And it's a little taste of everything that, that, you know, you know, from my history, from my past, as well as all the new stuff that I'm going to be doing. And of course, music on a mission is a part of that. It's, it's a part of that as well. So the, the actual show portion that we have coming out for those shows is going to be very special. And if anybody's in Pennsylvania or Ohio for July 9th, 10th and 11th, please come out to those shows and support uh, it's going to be amazing. You're not going to want to miss it. Well, let me try to see if I can bring Sue back in on again. Sue, are you with us? Sue, are you with us? All right, sweet Sue, try to get you in on the phone. Uh, so I'll give you a call. She needs to unmute, her. she needs to unmute herself. <laughs> Sue, did you unmute yourself? <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll give her a call later on, let her know that you know I did try to to bring her on to the show. But uh, your album is absolutely fantastic, and there's so much more to talk about because there's so many good songs on there. Because, uh, like you said, you talk about um, faith and everything, and I happen to love uh, Warrior Inside. Uh, I put next there, uh, still breathing, and my note says, in the fight, Oath Keeper. You know, the, people forget that if you're a first responder or if you're in the military, you raise your hand and swear an oath to uphold the Constitution. So do our elected officials, sure. and yet they hold us to the fire, but we do not hold our elected officials to the fire. So we got to stay in that fight. Well, absolutely. And, and again, if, you, if we're talking about the song Warrior Inside here, 
you know, we are dealing with a, a crisis in this country in the police community and in the veteran community, and it's, it's suicide. And a lot of it comes from people that are post either military or post no longer in service, and they have lost their uh, continuation of service. They've, they've lost their commitment to the oath, and they've veered away from their sheepdog mentality, and they've, they've, they've given up on being a part of something. And again, music on a mission is not just, it's not just songs, it's not just words, it is actually a continuation of my service. Because many of your service members will talk about, you know, what they've had to endure while they were in service. Now that they're out, they don't know how to deal with it. I've found that continuing your service in the civilian sector by using something that you can uh, contribute, something positive, whether it be to volunteer with someone to help uh, build, you know, smart homes or help build ramps for, for other wounded veterans. Uh, i got a good buddy who did the exact same thing. He, he, he joined Team Rubicon. And, you know, they do disaster relief. They're military teams. They go out and do disaster relief. They're fully funded to send these people down there to volunteer in these hurricane-inflicted areas or tornado or earthquake-inflicted areas to go and help rebuild and help, you know, get water and, and food and essentials to the people. They're like a first aid, but it's done in a – it's almost like a Red Cross, but it's done in a military way. Um, it's tactical. It's, it's for – you know, they obviously – they should go to the veterans first, and then they work their way out to the civilian communities. Team Rubicon, got to give them a shout-out. But again, that's what I'm talking about. It's a continuation of your service. You know, what are you good at? What do you love? If it's sports, get kids involved with something that 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 shows them and teaches them how to play sports. If it's uh, if it's acting or if it's film, get involved with a local studio or get involved with somebody that you can contribute your talent and your your true love of whatever you do. For me, it's music as your continuation of service back to the community and and music on a mission is my continuation of service it's my it's my contribution to the community and that's what the song warrior inside is all about you know most of us were 17 18 years old when we swore an oath to this country giving a a blank check to them and that oath does not stop when we get out we have to continue that oath and if there is still a breath within your lungs still a warrior inside and that's what the song's about hope you like it Oh, I absolutely, absolutely love it. You know, the album is so great. Uh, music on a Mission at DaveBrayUSA.com. Um, whenever I do a dedication, if I use your song, I always put behind there, you know, find it at DaveBrayUSA.com. So I'm, I'm always yeah. plugging you, <laughs> so don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. But I have a question. Hey, hey, hey. Hook you up with- yeah, Curtis. Yeah. Hey, I, I think I listen to the radio as much as I do, you know, watching television. And I'm guilty of listening to a lot of talk radio. And really it's because there's little little music out there that I care for. But every once in a while, I come across music similar to yours. And it's just something wholesome. And something it's a, there's a quality about it that, that you don't hear in other music that's out there today. And... And I really appreciate that, you know. I think that's what people are missing. Wholesome, you know, music. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think I, I appreciate that. And and that's exactly what Music on a Mission was for and intended for. Um, like you, I, I got to be honest, I, I've sort of given up on a lot of what uh, Hollywood and, and the big music mafia has put out. I used to be a huge music purchaser. If anything new came out, I was on it. Um, I mean, I could have been a critic in, you know, in the early 2000s. I just, I bought and downloaded anything I possibly could. 
uh, if it was different or if it was even scratching around at the charts, I wanted to know everything about the record. I wanted to know everything about the artist. I wanted to know everything about the album. I wanted to know where they recorded it, how they get the sound, all that stuff. And like you said, it feels like everything now um, has become this sort of postage stamp. Uh, just knock as many songs out as you possibly can, you know, just keep crushing it, you know, and just, just it, more is better. And for me, I wanted, again, I wanted people to just slow down for a second and listen to something because um, like you, I kind of gave up a little bit on terrestrial radio. The, uh, the stations that I was listening to was pretty much playing the same stuff they've been playing for the last 20 years and kind of boring. Um, nobody's really breaking anything new. Um, I was into hip hop and the R and B and the rap and all that mm -hmm. stuff for a while. And, you know, just to listen and try to figure out what was happening. And, and now that is just, just over, <laughs> just overridden with, yeah. I think, poorly made and poorly produced music. I used to listen to country. I was into country for a while. Um, and you know, there was just, now it just seems like every song is about a bottle of whiskey, a tailgate, a dirt road, a pair of Daisy Dukes or a pair of worn out jeans, a hat and a t-shirt I, I just i can't get into it anymore it's there's no there's no substance is what i'm saying everybody's no, just wrapped up in a genre yeah mm -hmm. everybody's just wrapped up in a genre so again my songs I, I don't i'm not claiming to be reinventing the wheel but i'm bringing back an element of music i feel that gives people something to listen for and not just to listen to so well, there's a lot to say well, what you just said, because as an independent, you're free to do whatever you want. When you sign on to a label, you've got a corporate boardroom determining what you can say, what you can wear, and where you can perform. You're free to do as you want as an independent. And I think that is what we are hunger, hungering for, because we're tired of the cookie cutter uh, output that we're seeing. And having something original, something new, something with a purpose and with a message is what Americans are truly craving for. I'm not talking about Hollywood. I'm talking about what the majority of Americans truly want. We're tired of them spoon-feeding us crap. <laughs> I think you're right. And I think with the, you know, if you look, go back to the birth of any genre of music or any unique uh, creation of music or style, um, you, it goes back to kind of what they were singing about. It, there was meaning and, and, you know, substance to the songs. It had, it had a message or it had something, you know, even if you go back to grunge, the message was, you know, we basically hate everything, you know, even <laughs> that's basically what it was. We hate it all. We're disgruntled youth. Uh, if you go back to the sixties, it was a lot of political stuff, you know, that was happening and they were very much, you know, sort of, there was, it was upticked by anger and, what was happening in Vietnam and the, you know, anti-war movement. Um, you go back to the twenties, it was, you know, about prohibition and, you know, you know, the government infringing on, on our rights. And if you look at music on a mission, there's little, there's little tastes of that, you know, sort of going throughout it through some of the spoken word. It's a, it's an element of why are, why are we making heroes out of, you know, out of idiots and, and people and not really taking the time to take care of our veterans. We're, taking care of the, you know, the, the illegals, but we're not taking care of our veterans. I mean, the men and women who swore the oath. So it's no wonder, it's no wonder there's a connotation of, uh, you know, kind of misery behind post-service people because they get a plaque and the guy, the guy I just hung out with this weekend, we did uh, Sergeant Frank adopt a cop USA. And what Frank does is since he, his continuation of service is, He's a retired 25-plus-year police officer, 
he now goes to schools and he takes a cop car that's decked out with like a basketball pole and some other stuff. And he takes kids out on fishing trips and hunting trips and that kind of thing. And it's called adopt a cop because he wants police to be reintegrated back into the communities through the school systems. And he wants to do it in a passive way, not hi, my name is Joe police officer, but Hey, what's up? I'm a cop dude. And I'm also a human. You know, I'm not just a guy with a gun and a badge. I'm also a human. I like basketball. I like to play sports. I like fishing. I like outdoors. You know, if you want to do some of that stuff and hang out, let's start there. And, you know, he was a 25-year veteran of the police force. And in the mail, he gets a, uh, you know, a 12 by 11 by 8 by 11 plaque uh, with a badge from the department that says, thank you for your, your service after 25 years. And that's the, that's the commitment that you get back from, from the government. And it's, I think it's bad. I don't think that our veterans and our post-service you know, members in law enforcement are getting the support they need or the gratitude they deserve from our government or from, from our, our people and our citizenry. So, you know, again, Music on a Mission, is, it touches on some of these topics. But more importantly, it, it's me showing my support from a civil side you know, no longer in the military, showing my support and continuing my service to the men and women who have served beside me. So, you know, it's uh, it's a different approach. And again, I hope that people will gravitate towards it and share it with their youth and share it with the next generations. Let them know that we uh, are out here caring about them. There are those of us who truly care about them, their service, and the next generation. You know, you said a whole heck of a lot. And I've, there were about 50,000 different emotions that just went through me when you were talking about that. Because, you know, people tend to not see cops as human beings. And doing something like that, like he's doing, the adopt-a-cop, it's a wonderful. What I used to do if I got put on a foot post in certain areas, in front of some of the stores, they would have those little mechanical horses or whatever for the little kids to ride. And I, at one point, I was watching the kids as they were walking out, and they would stare at it and try to pull their parent over to the machine to get them to you know, pop, pop a quarter or two in and let me ride the machine. And the parents would say, well, I don't have an extra quarter. So what I used to do is I used to stuff my pockets with quarters. So if I ended up on those foot posts and I see a kid coming out staring at it, I'd walk over, you know, take my little finger like in the crook and say, come on, come over here, get on. And I'd pop the quarters in for the kid. You know, they forget that we're also human, that we also love kids. We have family. We're just like them. So bringing the cop into the neighborhood and interacting with the public is so important. And if you're retired, oh, I know that feeling. Once that door closed behind me as I walked out the precinct, that was it. <laughs> they didn't want to hear from you. They didn't want to see you. You're gone. Next person comes in the front door, takes your place. You're replaceable. And that's how they treat it. That's how they treat the veterans. And that's how they treat first responders. You are dispensable. You're just another number. And that's a shame. So doing something like you're doing, music with a mission, is so important. And I was starting to ask, had I ever hooked you up with Dan Perkins? Because he does, um, he puts out little MP3s to veterans that are suffering from PTSD or any other uh, uh, thing. And he puts songs and stories on these MP3s. And he gives them to these people that are hurting, whether or not it's traumatic brain injury, PTSD, or whatever. And he said it helps them sleep better. It helps them integrate better. So I don't know if I ever hooked you up with him. I'll have to check him out for sure. That sounds uh, very interesting. That's good stuff. All right. Well, I'll, I'll shoot over a link to uh, Becky and uh, hook you and Dan Perkins up together because I think it's something what your album is perfect for. Absolutely. If, if he has those. Yeah, go ahead, Curtis. Okay. 
go ahead and finish what you're going to say. I, I can wait. No, I, it's all right. I was just going to say that, that, that I'd love to make that connection. I'm, I'm always in the meeting other people trying to, you know, do the right thing, fight the good fight, and especially yeah. on the art, art side because, you know, there's just not a lot of us out here. Well, speaking of connections, my my question my question was this: um, If you could do a duet with anyone, who would it be? Wow! <laughs> Can you bring him back? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I got the next uh, no, best thing, Dave. There's the next best thing because there I have a friend of mine, Todd Allen Herndon, and a lot of his music and everything is very much styled after Elvis. And if you listen to some of the stuff, you would say, "Ah, oh, it's Elvis reinvented." Um, so I'm gonna probably hook you up with him also if you want to seriously oh, cool. do, do Very that. Cool. Someone, it sounds like Elvis. <laughs> I'll shoot that no, I think if I too. could, I think if I could, uh, if I could work with an artist, it would probably be you know some of the old veterans that that are you know getting up there in age a little bit. I'd love to do some. I think it would be really cool because my 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 scope of interest when it comes to music is so all over the place but it'd be really cool i would love to do something you know honestly with dr dre i think he's awesome i think his work is amazing on the production side i'd love to work with somebody like toby keith just because i you know he's man's man sings about america uh i'd love to do something with somebody like charlie daniels who's got just the the coolest one of the coolest voices out there uh, I'd love oh, to work yeah. with Metallica. Um, you know, those guys would be amazing to work with. Just, I mean, I got my fan favorites just all the way across the board. And uh, I think it would just be cool. You know, Kid Rock is another one. He's a very patriotic dude. He's just a little rowdy. But, um, yeah, th- like those kind of guys I think would be the, the ones I'd want to do something with. Oh, okay. hope I get the opportunity. And not Ted Nugent? <laughs> of course. Well, I'm going to do it. We got all that worked out, man. That's happening. That's already going down. <laughs> Oh, cool. Because I've been trying to get him on the show, but every time I contact his agent, either he's on the road or he's doing a recording in the studio or something like that. So we can't get our schedule together. So grab him by the lapel and say, you've got to get on this girl's radio show. <laughs> <All right? laughs> I don't know if you know, but like Ted's like six, seven, you know, these, like Trace Atkins is like six, seven. I think Toby Keith's a big boy. He's he goes two sixty six five. I mean, these guys played ball. In I didn't know they were that I, tall. I mean, I'm, huh? yeah, man. Trey Sackins is huge, uh-huh. dude. Toby's uh, Toby played. I think he, Toby played for. I don't know who he played for. Clemson. I don't know uh, who he played. He played NBA. ball. These are these guys are big boys, man. Play, play, played some serious some serious sports. Yeah. I'm a little guy, and I'm like six three, two hundred twenty pounds in this industry. So. God, LeBron James could have used them the other night. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I don't know if you have to run, but it looks like my second guest is not going to be able to uh, show up. She was calling in from Israel, and she may be having problems getting connected here. So if you want to keep on going with this, we can uh, go on with some more of your songs. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, let's do one more song. Which song do you want to do? Uh, well... I've got keyed up the hunter. Uh, how's that sound? Ooh. Now, girl, you just opened up a can of worms. We can go for another couple hours. You, the hunter is a unique song, okay? The reason that the hunter exists, and I don't know if you've heard this on the record, I talk about Godless, okay? There's a poem that I wrote called Godless, and when I'm on the record, I'm narrating this this poem, this piece. And without the song, or without the, without the poem called Godless, the song, the hunter wouldn't exist. So it's one of those deals where, you know, we all have our 
down times where we are in a, that quote unquote dark place. And I hate even using that term because it's just, it's ridiculous. Everybody has, everybody lives with a void in their heart somewhere or another. So I'm in one of these just funks. I'm down and out and I just pick up a pen. And I start writing, you know, I've not always been a man of great faith. And then from there, the hand of the Lord, I've not always embraced. I've come and I've gone from his ever open arms, like a child giving hugs just to get what he wants. And I start continuing with this snowball effect of this song or with what I thought was going to be a poem, which ends up, turns out it is a song. It's just not on a record yet. But Godless was this streaming consciousness poem that just flew out of my hands. And I'm, you know, my eyes are leaking. I don't know if it was the cayenne pepper I had on my tacos, but my eyes were leaking and I was emotional and I was just finishing it up and I just put the pen down and I just slammed my head on the desk and I just sort of just sat there for a moment defeated and then when I picked my head up and rewrote the poem, or reread the poem, uh, I, I realized I'm not defeated. I just got I just got the biggest blessing I've ever had in my life. I just had God re-enter into my heart and faith abound through me. And I picked up my guitar and I wrote this song called "The Hunter." So it started as a poem called "Godless" because I felt like I had absolutely zero God in my life, zero God in my heart, no love in my heart. I was broken. I was heartbroken. I was just destroyed. And what I realized at the end of that poem, after I picked up that guitar, that I had actually just been found and I felt reborn again within Christ. It was a moment of complete and utter brokenness. And at the end of it, it took me rereading my own poem to realize that I had just been found by Christ. And that he was the one hunting me down, even though I was searching. I was searching for God, searching for Christ, but I was just searching blindly. I was hunting blindly. I didn't have all the tools. I didn't know where he was or what he was, what he was doing in my life. I couldn't find him. I couldn't see him. There was no evidence. And then after I read this poem, I realized that he is the hunter, and he had searched and hunted me down. So it's, one, it's my favorite song on the record. It's called The Hunter. Please, please, please play it. All right. Well, I've got it queued up. Let me make sure I got my mixer board open. And here we go. The Hunter.
Dave, what came to mind when I was uh, listening to that song, uh, the painting that I believe it's in St. Mark's Cathedral in uh, London by William Holman called Into the Light, where you have Christ standing at the door knocking with a lantern in his hand. That's what I thought of, but uh, the, the tone and everything you place in that is so beautiful. And the percussion is just stunning. I, the second I heard it, I, I'm going, you know, futuristic sound, but it's also... Sound of the ages. I don't know if I'm unmuted or not. Am I unmuted? No. Yeah, you're unmuted. Yeah, we yeah. can hear you. Yeah. I am muted. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's it. It does have a. It's it is an. I wanted it to sound sort of ancient and tribal, um, uh, because I feel like I feel like that's you know the calling is is one of those things that comes from like I said, from, from some other place, it's not even from of this time. And again, that, that song right there, uh, I, I cannot tell you how much 
I am looking forward to playing that one because, I mean, listen, you're going to open up for Ted Nugent. Most of these people are Second Amendment, outdoors, they're gun people. Um, and, and I'm all about – like I, I love slipping in Christian – uh, pieces into my into my music, and obviously the hunter. This one is obviously probably the most out of the closet Christian song on the record. But uh, like, if you listen to Into the Fire, you'll hear in the first you know the first line is I put on the armor to battle the devil's flame. It's a nod to Ephesians six eleven. So like I I do these these little hints at Christianity. I'm not, I don't consider myself a Christian rock artist where every song is about him or his or Jesus or you know I I, I try to. I try to slip it in under the radar. So I'm really looking forward to the reaction of the Ted Nugent crowd when I play a song called The Hunter, which they're immediately thinking is going to be about, you know, a guy cruising around in the woods. When they realize it's actually about Christ, I feel like it's going to be a really unique reaction. I can I cannot wait to play that song for the, for those people. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. I happen to love it a lot. You know, like I said, it reminded me of that one painting. It happens to be one of my favorite paintings. <clears throat> but I was, I, when I'm hearing the percussion, I was hearing it as if it was a knock on the door also. So that's why I was matching that painting to your song also at the same time. That's really cool. Again, like I said, I, I tried to write songs that paint a picture in your mind. That's exactly what I, as a musician, it's one of the hardest things to do, but it's also, it's a goal, right? You want to create an image in someone's mind of, of what the song, you know, is casting. So I, I say that this album listens like a movie. It does. I feel like if you listen to the entire thing front to back, listen to the narration and then listen to the song, you, you can make your own, your own movie out in your mind. I think it's, I think that is one of the most unique aspects of the record is that it listens like a movie. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Cause when people pick up your CD and once they pull the CD out of the, uh, what do you call it? Where it's it's popped in place, you pop it out of the the. Little <laughs> tray there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. The tray uh, underneath you have "Without God, There Is No Country," um, which is it's right. true, and this is what people I think are starting to find that we're lacking a moral uh, fiber that we had generations ago. It's been slipping away from us little bit by little bit, and an album like yours helps pull it back in. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think that, you know, it, we're, we're kind of like Jack Sparrow when he doesn't know what he wants. You know, the compass just kind of spins around, doesn't give him any direction, doesn't give him any guidance. And while it's one of those things that he's, you know, the whole the whole time when he knew he was missing the Black Pearl, it pointed towards the Black Pearl. He knew where to go, and he knew it because he had been taught that essence. You know, he knew that that's what he wanted because he had been taught to be that captain or whatever, and I still feel like if we're not teaching, if we're not teaching our kids to turn to God and to turn to, to Christ or, or to turn to faith, you know, as your number one first reaction to everything, if you would just stop for one second, take one, take one breath in faith before making any decision, one breath before answering back or getting angry at someone or lifting or raising a hand at your brother, you know what, you know, I got two kids, take one breath in faith before you continue. And every time I tell them to take a breath in faith, the action that I am trying to correct stops because I've instilled in them that, that there is a godly way to be on this planet. None of us are ever going to fulfill it all. None of us are ever going to pull it off. But, you know, there will be times where you are going to be called to do and say something that needs to be said in faith. And it's, it's not, it's going to, you're going to have to take that breath in order to find what you need to do or say. So, 
like I said, I, that's the way I teach my kids. Take one breath in faith before you take one more step. Before you do one more thing or say one more word, take one breath in faith. And it, it works. It, I don't know how it works, but it works. Because I've taught my kids what the faith is. I've taught them what religion is. I've taught them what Christ is and who he is and that he's always watching. So that's that's what I'm, I feel like we're missing in this country. You know, nobody is allowing anyone to teach faith or godless or godliness in school anymore. So what fills the void? You know, the devil. And he uses fear and he uses anger and he uses all of the negative virtues in the human psyche against one another. So it's it's tough, man. We're fighting a battle and I, I say it I say it in the record. There is a battle for the you know, the minds of our children. There is a war going on for the minds of our children. That not a not a not a I don't think we know how to fight. It's 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 a it's a it's a war that we do not know how to fight until we actually get faith back in our schools, back in our court system, and into our public world and our realm. We're going to lose that battle. Well, one of the messages on your album is it's not about you. It's about the service. And when you think about that, it's not about me personally. It's about those around me. And once people start realizing that it's not just – the world does not revolve around you. You actually revolve around the world, so it's about everyone else around you, how you treat them, you know, and how you live your life. It's, it's everything that you're saying on that album. And I've, I've talked about this uh, about a year and a half ago. My husband, um, I was told by the uh, ICU doctor there that um, if he didn't make it within the next eight hours, then I better make better other plans. And I went home, mm-hmm. leaving the, the ICU, um, thinking that by the time I got back, you'd be gone. And I was crying. And, I, and that afternoon, a couple from my church had given me a prayer shawl, and I had that wrapped around my shoulders. And all the way home, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my life without him in it? And I'm thinking about it, about myself. And I came home, and I was feeding the cats, and I'm getting ready to go back. And I just fell prostrate by the side of my bed. And I started praying like crazy. And all of a sudden I realized, I'm saying, what am I going to do? And that wasn't the question. My question ended up being, all right, Lord, tell me what you want me to do, because whatever mm-hmm. happens, it is your will, and I'm going to accept it. And I'm starting to cry right now. And suddenly I felt something changed, dramatically changed. And by the time I got back to the ICU, the doctor was at the elevator. She came over to me, she hugged me, and she was crying. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's gone. But I look over her shoulder, and I look at where his bed is. He's sitting up there. He's laughing. He's joking as if nothing had happened. And later on, I told my husband the story. He goes, you know, when you left, a short time later, he goes, I felt a huge white presence. And then I felt better. So there's something to say about letting God into your life. And then realizing it's not about you. It's about everything else and your service. So part of me, I go, well, what can you do? Oh, I'm with you, girl. I mean, I'm telling you, I, and it, that was that was my godless moment when I realized it, it wasn't about me. It's you know, and and when he, when he, when the power of Christ dawns upon you, it is it is unbelievable. There is no other feeling like it. There's no high like the like the most high, and he is uh, he is the hunter. You know, he'll get you one way or another. He'll get you. <laughs> Get to you. So I think that's but yeah. That's I think that's what happened when you wrote that song. It was at that moment that you said he entered into you because you let him in. Right. Absolutely. 
I mean, you, you got to open the door. You got to let go. You have to, you have to let Jesus quote unquote, take the wheel. And, uh, that was that moment for me for sure. Absolutely. So, well, I want to say thank you. I do now have to hop off. Um, I have another interview coming up, so thank you so very much for your time, guys. I appreciate the questions. Um, if anybody wants to check out my stuff, it's at DaveBrayUSA.com. You can check out the videos. Please subscribe to the YouTube page. I need subscribers at the YouTube page so we can grow that. And, again, don't forget to check out the videos for the songs. They're all up there on YouTube. There's some great stuff. Check out Freedom Rings. It's one of my favorites. It just released, and uh, it did really well. So I hope that people will share it far and wide. It's called Freedom Rings, Blood of Heroes. It's my brand-new brand new video up on YouTube. It's beautiful. So thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Thank you. Okay? <laughs> I will. Yeah, I will. Again. God bless you guys. We will. Absolutely. Thanks, Kurt. Be well, guys. God bless you. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Check it out. Dave Bray, DaveBrayUSA.com. Oh, man. He is so great. I mean, I, yeah, I I met him the first time at the South Carolina Tea Party Coalition Convention, and he was with Madison Rising at the time, and Madison Rising wasn't very well known at that point. And I think that was the launching point. And, you know, we've stayed in touch and stayed friends ever since then. Uh, so love him, love his wife dearly, and his two kids are just so adorable, absolutely adorable, and they're good kids. Uh, but it's always having a lot of fun to have them on. But uh, Curtis, I uh, want to talk about several different things that because uh, obviously Shelva will not be able to join us. I'm gonna have to call her, see what we can work yeah. out to rescheduling her and find out how we can bring her in. Uh, because obviously she was going to try to call in on a landline. Because uh, her Skype was not allowing us to connect with each other, and I couldn't call out to her, and she couldn't call into the show, so I apologize for that. Um, but they were chatting in the she's in, in Israel, chat room right? About, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna have to wow. find it. But there's a phone number that we can call out to her at and reschedule her. Um, unfortunately, uh, it's a bust. But in the chat room, they were discussing Justin Trudeau, his uh, his appearance on TV uh, on Saturday in his press conference where he's criticizing oh, yeah. Trump. And Trump had gone up there for the G6 summit. He thought he had worked out an agreement with Canada and a couple of the other nations. No sooner did he walk out, he wasn't even on his plane heading to Singapore when Trudeau starts busting him, you know, saying that Trump is going to destroy everything. He's an evil, evil man. You know, if he thinks he's bad with the tariffs. Yet Canada imposes a 267% tariff on dairy. And that kills the dairy farmers down here in the United States. So, you know, he's threatening to impose even stricter, you know, tariffs. You know, Trump was saying, hey, listen, lower the tariffs and we'll have a deal. Um, But Trudeau's there on camera and his eyebrows start to fall off. I I know that everyone else in the chat room saw this video and I was watching it and I was hysterical laughing. And here he is trying to be a serious leader of a major country in the world. And this shiny pony, as our friend Kel calls him. And the eyebrows are starting to fall off. He had glued on fake eyebrows. And I'm going, who wears fake eyebrows? His make, obviously, he has someone that does his makeup for him. Come on, be real. I mean, that, that shiny nose can't get any shinier. So hasn't his makeup artist heard of an eyebrow pencil? You want to draw an eyebrows, think they're not thick enough or not the right color? Use an eyebrow pencil. I'm telling you. <laughs> glue on eyebrows. <laughs> the hot TV lights must have been melting the glue on these eyebrows. Groucho <laughs> Marx had a better <laughs> makeup artist for his uh, mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. 
dying. I was absolutely dying. And I know everyone in the chat room probably saw it and was dying, too. But, oh, good Lord. And and he thought he was slapping down Trump. But, oh, good Lord, you can't do that. You can't shake a man's hand and say you have a deal. And the second he walks away from you, stab him in the back, which is exactly what Justin Trudeau did with Trump. And, of course, you know, it went viral, that picture of Angela Merkel glaring at Trump. And Trump is looking up at it quite Arms across his chest, smugly looking, you're like, you must be nuts. <laughs> so that didn't go. I over mean, did we really? Did we really expect him to um, do that mano y mano in front of Trump? <laughs> he wait till Trump was um, twelve hours around the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course he wouldn't go mano a mano with Trump. Uh, absolutely not. Now I'm, I'm looking for something I had printed out because um, they were also trying to uh, put down Trump with this summit with Kim Jong-un. And here they're saying that uh, Trump did something that was unforgivable. He sat down with the uh, despotic leader of North Korea. All right. And we know this guy is absolutely no saint. But what did Obama do? He ended up opening up the embassies in Cuba. So wait a minute, wait a minute. Fidel Castro is not as bad as Kim Jong-un? Really? And Obama, you know, shook hands and was snubbed and adored by Putin. But Putin wasn't a terrible man who had people killed and did nasty things. Really? Really? Well, Come on, guys. Look look at, uh, what, what, what was it, $150 billion he... He um, flew over to Iran. I mean, Iran? look at that regime. Exactly. Yeah. So, so he makes an, an agreement, which is in violation of our Constitution. So he made an yeah. agreement with another country without the advice and consent of the Senate on this agreement, which yeah. is, in fact, a treaty. With with Iran? Come on. And, 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 but we and still don't know where that money came bird? from. Yeah. Uh, courtesy of the ta- U.S. taxpayer. That's where the money came from. And just be honest, oh, okay. the U.S. taxpayer got sucker punched by President Obama. And honestly, so now Trump is pulling out of the deal with Iran. Trump is negotiating with North Korea to bring peace to the Korean pe- Peninsula, peace that has not been seen in 65 years. And he's saying, all right, let's tamp down on this nuclear talk. Let's do the nuclear disarmament and ends up getting Kim Jong-un to sign an agreement. And here, where's the full text? All right, here it is. Number one, the United States and the DPRK, which is the uh, Democratic uh, People's Republic of Korea. A little bit of a brain fart there. Uh, commit to establish a new U.S. DPRK relations in accordance with the desires of the peoples of the two countries for peace and prosperity. Number two, the United States and the DPRK will join their efforts to build a lasting and stable peace regime on the Korean Peninsula. He's not saying that he'll unite the two Koreas, but establish a peaceful regime, which North Korea is not. Reaffirming the April 27, 2018 Moonjam Declaration, the DPRK commits to work toward complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. The United States and the DPRK commit to recovering POW MIA remains 
including the immediate repatriation of those already identified. Having acknowledged that the U.S. DPRK summit, the first in history, was the epical event of great significance in overcoming decades of tensions and hostilities between the two countries and for the opening of a new future, President Trump and Chairman Kim Jong-un commit to implement the stipulation in this joint statement fully and expeditiously. The United States and DPRK commit to hold follow-on negotiations led by the U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and relevant high-level DPRK official at the earliest possible date to implement the outcomes of the U.S. DPRK summit. And then it's signed by President Donald J. Trump and Kim Jong-un. So they're basically saying, we're going to agree that when these are the ends we're going to start to work towards. We're going to agree that our goal is denuclearization. Our goal is for peace and prosperity. There's nothing stating specifically how they're going to do it, but the next step is to sit down with Pompeo and his uh, counterpart from North Korea and start hammering out the details. It is a tremendous first step. It is the foot in the door. It's not the complete treaty yet. You can't get that within only just five or six hours of sitting down, but they have a basis to start working for, which is great. So, of course, the left is going nuts. Oh, how dare you sit down with this despot? Well, if it starts to bring peace to the region, it starts to stabilize the region, why not? Do you see anything wrong with that, Curtis? Well, not at all, but I'll tell you this much. I I got the courage to, to watch a little bit of CNN for like about maybe two minutes <laughs> And they were given credit and you didn't to. Throw up? Um, <laughs> no, I got away from it. But they were given credit for all of this that happened in Singapore to um, um, Little Rocket really? Man and the president of South Korea and some some other group. But never they never mentioned Trump. So I turned after that point. No. I said this is propaganda no. as usual. Didn't even mention right, Trump. Right, of course. No, but you actually have to hand a lot of this to Nikki Haley, honestly, because she's the one that started the ball rolling with her speech in the U.N., if anyone remembers that correctly. I don't have the audio on that one. Um, But um, actually, uh, Wednesday I think they may have said Dennis Rodman, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you notice this T-shirt, Dennis Rodman, who's... That the the, the Bitcoin uh, potcoin dot com. Excuse me, that was a blatant <laughs> advertisement. Come on. And even and even Dennis Rodman give um, credit to Trump for bringing this about. Right, right. Well, I, I believe today was the anniversary of Reagan's. Today, where the fourteenth is the anniversary of Reagan's speech, tear down this wall, fourteenth, uh, which is Flag Day. Trump hasn't been born on Flag Day. Uh, that's his birthday. And I'll Very give him an early birthday low out there. However, he never did respond to me up on Twitter when it was my birthday. So it's going to be, well, I'll give you a happy birthday, but you still owe me one too, President Trump. <laughs> so that's <laughs> uh, look, a little bit more on a, a serious note here, because um, the listeners know that we've been having a battle between our church and the Episcopal Church of North America and yesterday, the Supreme Court denied our motion for them to hear it. And they sent 
the case back uh, to the court it originated out of, which is in Dorchester here in South Carolina. And uh, it's going to be interesting because as of this point, the Episcopal Church had filed um, a writ asking for us to immediately surrender our property prior to the Supreme Court making this decision to deny us. And so they've been already made the attempt in court to seize our property immediately. Um, that's going to be very difficult to implement because of the way the South Carolina Supreme Court ruled. It was a split decision, and at this point, it's unenforceable. So it's going to have to go back to the court, and at that point, it's going to be another fight to decide whether or not it can be enforced or if it can't be enforced. And there's also something called bettering, as I understand it, because um, I had gone over to the church because the SCOTUS blog uh, started at 9.30, their broadcast. And my husband and I were at the church prior to that because I wanted to be able to, you know, pray with fellow members of the parish and everything. And I'd gone into the church office, and they were explaining to what they expect the next thing to happen. Because uh, on Thursday, our bishop, uh, Bishop Mark Lawrence, is going to meet with all the rectors. And it's a total of 28 different churches here uh, in South Carolina that are in jeopardy. And he's going to meet with all the rectors of these 28 different parishes and make a decision on what the next steps are and what to tell the parishioners, you know, how we are going to advance. But as I understand it, there's a thing called bettering. And if there's a mortgage or any lien on the properties, and what church doesn't have some sort of a mortgage on it because there's constantly need repairs and updates and everything, no bank will allow the transfer of property if there is a lien or mortgage on that property. And what bettering is is that if you have made any improvements or repairs on that property, if there's a transfer of that property, whoever you're transferring it to must pay you for those improvements and whatever else was there, which means it runs into millions of dollars for just our church. And I don't see any bank willing to transfer the ownership of a property, first if there's a mortgage, and secondly if there's a huge payment needing to be made to compensate us for bettering. So these are the challenges we're going to be facing here in South Carolina, how the law is implemented, because it's never been tested. So this will be a test case. It's never it's been tested, I believe, in, I think they said, uh, 19 other states and upheld. Uh, so there are precedents in other states, but no precedent here in South Carolina. So it looks like we may be in for another couple of years worth of battles. So please keep us in our prayers. Please. And um, it's been going around on the Internet, what's going on with uh, Tommy Robinson. He's in our prayers. Uh, Kel is posting up an article from Fahrenheit211.net. So if you want to know what's going on with Tommy Robinson, there have been massive demos going on all throughout England. And it's it's interesting because no one was talking about freedom of speech until Tommy Robinson was arrested. So this is going to be also uh, another test case in England for freedom of speech. So, Kel, thanks for the posting, telling people to go to Fahrenheit211.net to read about what's going on with Tommy. So that's what I've got going on with me right now. And uh, it was a rather emotional show, and I'm glad that Dave was able to... Uh, to stay with us for so long. Yeah, he was very insightful, and um, I loved his music. And like I said, um, it was nice and wholesome. And I think we need more radio stations 
stations playing music such as his. And like I said, that's that's one reason why I listen to um, talk radio so much. I mean, I mean, I love talk radio, but every once in a while I like to listen to some good music, but I just don't pick up any. Well, that's why I got XM Radio, so <laughs> I decide exactly <laughs> what I'm listening to. And you can get a lot of great talk radio up on Patriot Radio, which I listen a lot to. Um, oh, here, talk about someone uh, showing their arse. Uh, this was oh, funny yeah. because I don't know if anyone watched uh, the summit on TV. You know, I had it playing while I was doing my notes uh, last night and uh, yesterday afternoon, actually, uh, our time. And um, CNN was appointed the White House correspondent. Uh, so he was there to represent, not the White House, I'm sorry, the United States. So they send um, Jim Acosta to actually represent all of the United States at this press conference. Uh, what a person to send. He, I, they couldn't think of someone better. I guess they figured CNN would make him look like a fool and said Jim Acosta looked like the absolute idiot. Um, this is an article from American Action News. Uh, you can check it out at AmericanActionNews.com, written by Dan Scavino uh, Jr. And he writes, Despite yesterday's historic summit between the United States and North Korea, some things, namely obnoxious CNN reporters, never change. CNN's grandstanding White House, White House correspondents and Sarah Sanders' punching bag, Jim Acosta made sure to maximize his time in the spotlight by peppering both President Donald Trump and North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un with painfully obvious questions. Quote, Mr. President, I'm sorry, I can't resist. <laughs> How is the meeting going so far, sir? The Trump-bashing newsman hollered as Trump and Kim exited the conference room at the Capella Hotel following a 35-minute meeting. Any progress, Mr. President? Chairman Kim, will you denuclearize? He pressed. Mr. President, how's it going so far? When Trump finally responded by saying it was going very, very good, Acosta, who is designated pool reporter assigned to represent U.S. media organizations, seemed encouraged to demand answers from Kim, who's used to a more compliant media. Will you give up your nuclear weapons, sir? Acosta shouted, either unaware that Kim had just pledged to do exactly that or thinking that his probing interrogation technique might elicit a more fulsome answer than the recently con concluded diplomatic session. What an idiot. What an absolute idiot. Oh, man, Curtis. Can CNN be any more... Oh, good luck. Can't even call yeah, those them the guys. news network anymore. I'd call them the criminal news network. Yeah, they off the reservation, huh? <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, I can't wait till November when they see the results. I, I want to see their faces like, like it was after um, Trump won. <laughs> They're gonna be all sad well, I'm and crying I'm and and oh my God, the country's coming to a ruin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking up won. over on. Uh, I'm looking over on the uh, the Facebook postings and thanks, Joe. Uh, Joe, I can't pronounce your last name. Jim Acosta, yeah, he is a twit. And i going to say hi to Tim Tapp that's over up on the Facebook page. Mm -hmm. So I've been trying to keep track of who's up on the YouTube and Facebook pages, too. So if you see my head turning in the camera there, guys, I'm staring over to see what you're writing. But um, I'm looking at the clock, and we've got about five minutes left, uh, Curtis. And we've got some great guests coming up. Um, who have we got here? Let's see. Today is 
Tuesday. Uh, Check we've the got chat Gut room. Dials returning. What's that? Coming Friday. Um, uh, Trump Mania and School Choice. Uh, no. Uh, that's Friday, no, right? No. Um, oh, I don't have it written on the calendar. All right, I have it on the notepad. Yeah, Ali Akbar, Doug Giles, and Peter Murphy. So we've got a triple header on Friday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what we got on Friday. Oh, so, okay. yeah. Cause I just yeah, you're right. I'm... <laughs> <sighs> well. Ali Akbar. We got to ask right, him so about yeah, that name. Yeah. And then uh, next <laughs> week, we've got another triple header. Uh, you're going to confirm Burgess Owen. Uh, Mike Hillary oh, yeah. and Larry Harvey. Uh, we got yeah, some great guests. Uh, Risa Kirkland is working on a project about a Korean War hero, uh, a forgotten soldier, and she, they're putting together a film, and they're doing uh, one of these GoFundMe things. So she's going to be talking about that project. It is a really interesting one, and it circles around a Hollywood film that these soldiers mm-hmm. appeared in. And he had the opportunity to go to Hollywood and become a famous actor, and he chose... That day that they cut, they finished filming him, and he actually dies in the movie. Just hours later, he's back in the field with his men, and he does get killed in action in real in real life. Wow. A really heart wrenching wow. story, but the story of a forgotten soldier. And uh, we've got some other great guests coming up uh, towards the end of the month. Actually, I'm looking at the calendar, and we're booked now going into July because we're going to have Trevor Loudon join us along with Valerie Greenfield. So uh, we've got some exciting shows coming up. And we're down oh, yeah. to our final few minutes. I want to thank everyone that joined us, Curtis. Uh, those that were up on YouTube and Facebook in those rooms, those that were over here on Blog Talk Radio, thank you. Fantastic listeners. You guys are the best. You rock. So I'm going to finish off the show tonight with our closing of When the Roll is Called Up Yonder. So until then, I say good night, God bless, and be safe out there. Oh, by the way, today... Is primary day in several states, including here in the great state of South Carolina. If you're in, within my voice here in South Carolina, get out to the polls and vote, especially on the resolution to get our party affiliation put on our voter registration card. It's the first step to closing our primary and finally voting out lamesy grandesty. Until then, By all good night means. and God. All right. Yeah.